it must have sat there for like 20 minutes and it got zero traction at all. From that point, it was just absolute like insanity. 80,000 people went over to Tiny Projects to read the blog post and I ended up selling almost nine grand worth of emoji email addresses in a weekend. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bytes, the podcast where I share stories of indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Ben Stokes, a full stack developer based in Bristol in the UK, who started an ice cream business and a cookie dough business amongst other things. Ben, like many indie hackers, has a bunch of small side projects ideas, but not enough time to do them. So he started Tiny Projects. Tiny Projects documents his progress with these small ideas, launching six projects since May last year, including one item store, which he sold, and his most recent Mailogy, which has just crossed 10k in revenue. I've got a bit of a different sponsor slot for you today, as Sabra and Tim from Veed, who have bootstrapped their editing platform to almost 5 million in ARR, are expanding their team. So I thought I'd briefly catch up with Sabra from episode 5 of Indie Bytes to ask him why he should work for Veed. We're now at 4.5 million ARR and uh, still growing at a really nice, nice speed. And the reason why we thought we'd come on this ad slot, James, is because we're looking for really talented developers, designers, product people to join the team. Saba, what's it like working at Veed? How have you tried to make a culture that is really cool for devs and bootstrappers and indie hackers? If I join Veed, am I going to have to stop all my side projects? Definitely not. So like Diana and Alec, both in marketing, both run very successful YouTube channels and Instagram pages. We have developers who have their side projects and I love to get involved and, you know, help them as much as I can, whether it's product, UX. Are you remote or in person? Definitely remote, fully remote. Unlimited holiday. We don't clock you in. We don't clock you out. You turn up when you want. If it's a nice day, you want to be in the park, be in the park. We don't care. And then a final question for you, Saba. What's it been like going from small side projects, hacking away on things, to a much bigger company with a ton of employees that's growing fast? I, I explained it to someone earlier. as like you being the leader of the tribe and now we're getting bigger. We're kind of going from like a hamlet to like a small village where I'm going to be the mayor. Um, <laughs> So when I'm in that, when I'm in the hamlet, I've still got the spear, right? And I'm going after the deer myself. And the transition now is I have now the gold medallions. So there you go. If you'd like to join Saba and Tim's small village, they're looking for talented people. Email Saba at s at v.io or hit the link in the show notes. Also, there is an extended 40-minute version of this podcast for my Indie Feast members. So if you're interested, you can check that out at indiebytes.co slash membership. Let's get into this episode. Ben, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, James. Thank you very much for having me. Ben, many indie hackers start off hacking away on their sort of software projects because they're chasing that sweet, sweet MRR, those huge profit margins to make themselves a nice 10 to 15k business. You took a slightly different approach. Tell me how and why you started an ice cream business. So I've always been interested in tech. I did a degree in computer science. I got to the end of my degree and I didn't really have much plans didn't have a job lined up and I got a message from my friend asking me to go on a little trip with him to Southeast Asia halfway through the trip we did this really famous stretch of motorbike route called the Haivan Pass it's supposed to be like really beautiful we did it in the middle of a monsoon so it was <laughs> not a great day we ended up getting to a hostel about six hours later than we originally planned which meant that there was no food at all we had no dinner So we headed out into this sort of Vietnamese street market looking for some dinner and we stumbled across this dude tapping away making this awesome looking ice cream in this Vietnamese market. We were just blown away. So it's this thing called Thai rolled ice cream, which is basically 
you pour liquid ice cream onto these minus 30 degree cold plates and you mix in tons of different ingredients, chop it all together with knives and you have this sort of beautiful Instagrammable ice cream. We got back to the UK. We were sat in this chain of pubs called Weatherspoons, and we were <laughs> chatting about our trip. We were a couple of pints in, and before we knew it, we had purchased an ice cream machine off eBay, and it was arriving imminently via boat in the next couple of weeks. From there, we learned how to make this rolled ice cream. We just got set up and started trading in little street food festivals in sleepy parts of southwest england and we grew up to have free locations in shopping centers across the uk and have 10 plus part-time staff that's how it started it's very random how, how much did it cost you for the machine it cost 700 pounds to buy <laughs> which at the time it was, it was quite a significant investment for both of us We actually decided to buy a better brand of machine because we thought we browsed a few and it just seemed pretty good. Was the ice cream business get to around 100k a year? Yeah, so in our most recent season before before everything shut down, we did about 120k in revenue. Okay, so 120k revenue in 2019, but you didn't stop with just the ice cream business. Having got to grips with one dessert business, you decided to start one more. (laughs) How, How did Cheeky Dough come about? Yeah, so uh, ice cream is not the most, well, it's a very seasonal business. So when it comes to wintertime, there's not really too much to do other than take bookings for the next summer. We were already in this Instagrammable dessert space and we got wind of this product that was making waves in the States, edible cookie dough, that hadn't really hit the UKs. So we spent like a couple of months trying to whip up this edible cookie dough couldn't do it we're not chefs we didn't know how to make it we ended up purchasing a recipe off this food science company whipped up a website bought in a load of packaging validated this idea in a week got a few sales by whipping up some social ads and since then it's just grown and grown we currently operate like a commercial kitchen in bristol in the uk that's just pumping out cookie dough week in week out and you, you've grown that to around 13k a month. First of all, how did you do that? What did you do to start out with to get that initial validation for your cookie day? And then how did you start to grow that to 13k a month? Basically, we had this recipe. We just thought, screw it. Let's just try and launch this idea as quick as we can. And then we'll figure out everything from there. We whipped up a first batch of cookie dough using like a 20 pound mixer that we bought online. We bought in a load of like basic packaging. We used a normal printer to print out some labels and stuff like that. We just made an ad, put it on Facebook, made a really simple Squarespace website, but we managed to get, I don't know, 15 sales in the first 24 hours, which was absolutely mind blowing considering how poorly designed this website was. So we generate all our sales through social media ads. So we create this like beautiful food porn style pictures and videos. And we spend quite a bit each month in Facebook's magical ad algorithm that has perfectly found our perfect customer online and shows them these adverts. As we've been able to increase the amount of cookie dough that we can make, we we just up the ad spend on, on Facebook. Now, we've spoken a little bit about indie hacking, and I love the idea of having a bunch of small projects that don't take too much time, but are just enjoyable to do. I've got a lot of projects on. I I, I do this podcast, I do podcast editing, I have many domains with smaller projects that I launch. For, For you, you started something called Tiny Projects. 
you started six projects. You initially planned to release one project per week, but realized this was rightly quite insane. Why make all of these small bets? Yeah, the initial idea to start Tiny Projects was I had this huge Google Notes list on my phone of unfinished ideas or unstarted ideas that I was just getting fed up of this list, just continually growing. I was feeling like a failure and I felt like I was like missing out on exploring these really potentially cool ideas that could have massive potential. So I adopted this sort of tiny project mindset to try and explore as many of these ideas as possible. I think we all have that list of all of the ideas that we want to work on. Can you run me through the six projects you've done so far? The first one I did was this sort of like weird internet stunt where I ended up purchasing a lot of domain names from various Silicon Valley companies like Facebook, Google, Netflix. The second one I built was an 8-bit battle royale game, a bit like Fortnite on Android. Then after that, I built this micro online store builder called One Item Store, which lets you just sell one item on repeat. I then built a social network just for normal everyday things like I am just ate a sandwich and you can just post that on there. Then I built a project called Early Name, which allows you to reserve your username on new up and coming platforms. So you could get the name James or something like that on Clubhouse. My most recent project was MailOG, which is an emoji email address service. So l- l- let me zoom into two of those in particular. First of all, one item store, because you, you sold this one. There's a simple page builder. You can sell one item on it. You scaled it to a massive £1.64 total revenue through your 1% transaction fee. But then you sold it for uh, over five grand. H- how did that come about? With a lot of these projects, I write a blog post and I basically explain the whole process of coming up with the idea, building the project, all the technical stuff that comes with that then how I launched it and then document how much money they make at the end of it. Usually when I launch these projects or or any other blog post, I'll get people coming to my Tiny Projects website and checking out all these other projects that I built. This was the case with One Item Store. I launched a blog post, I put it onto Hacker News and it got a bit of traction. And I got this buyer who was really interested in One Item Store. We started just like exchanging emails or like flirting over email about what potentially could happen with one item store. We eventually reached a price that seemed right and went through the process of of selling it, which was something completely new to me. I'd never, ever sold a website before. How how does that work from initial outreach to deciding the price to then how the actual exchange happens? So they just send money straight into your bank account, use an escrow service. How does that all work for people that haven't sold their projects before? It was really confusing to me because I I had no idea how you exchanged a piece of project, this thing that you'd lovingly built that you only understand. The price was another thing that was quite difficult to work out because, as you mentioned, it was only generating a massive £1.64 in revenue so far. So I basically did this calculation where I took the number of hours I'd sunk into the project. I multiplied it by my ideal hourly rate and then just added on like a small premium for the creation of the idea, the fact that it was generating a bit of money. It was actually surprisingly simple. It makes me excited to buy and sell more businesses in the future. We just hopped on a Zoom call for a couple of hours. I walked through the entire code base with this guy. He was super technically minded, really nice. Then we did the actual transfer using escrow services. I would transfer all the project assets, including like the, the domain name to this escrow service. The buyer would transfer the money to the escrow service. 
once we were both happy that these things would be sent, the escrow service would send the money to me, send the assets to the buyer, and there would be like a, a stage where the buyer gets used to using the project and stuff like that. I answer any sort of technical problems that they may have. And once that process is done, it's plain sailing. Let's move on to your more recent project, Meloji, which is about to cross 10K in MRR. And you summarized the story quite nicely on your blog. You bought 300 emoji domain names from Kazakhstan and built an emoji email address service. In the process, you went viral on TikTok, made a grand in a week, hired a Japanese voice actor and learned about the weird world of emoji domains. How did that all happen, Ben? Initially, I got interested in emoji domain names and it spiraled out of control. <laughs> ended up buying 300 of these emoji domain names from Kazakhstan and creating this thing called Mailoji where you can register an emoji email address, james at tacoemoji.kz. I did a product hunt launch like I usually do. I made a TikTok video that went semi-viral. In that time, I probably sold maybe like $1,000 plus worth of emoji email addresses, which was okay, but I'd actually made quite a bit of a loss because it cost quite a lot to buy 300 emoji domains from, from Kazakhstan. So I did what I usually do with tiny projects. I wrote up a blog post about it and published it on Hacker News. It must have sat there for like 20 minutes and it got zero traction at all. I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to move on to the next one. That's it. I'm done. I remember distinctly, I went and made a cup of tea. So I got back to my computer, I refreshed the front page and it was like sitting at like position eight on Hacker News. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. From that point, it was just absolute like insanity. It got over 1,600 upvotes on Hacker News in about 24 hours. 80,000 people went over to Tiny Projects to read the blog post and that led to about 20,000 people <laughs> going to Mailoji and I ended up selling almost nine grand worth of emoji email addresses in a weekend. Hacker News can be a horrible place to be or you've heard so many stories of it just absolutely skyrocketing someone's project. You see the same thing when people do things on Reddit. But when it does work, it really does work. But what I would say is you put the work in to start with. You documented the process, but you also bought all the email addresses. You create this cool marketing video and you did all of these things beforehand, which all built up to the point that when you put it on Hacker News, people thought, yeah, this is quite cool. How much did you spend on it to start with? The main cost with uh, MailOG was obviously these domain names. So they cost $8 each. I bought 300 of them, cost around $2,400 in total. And that honestly was the main cost. Were, were you ever worried about just sinking money and time into it without making the money back for you? Or was it just all part of the fun of tiny projects? Oh, massively. There was, there was points where I was buying these domain names and I thought this is the stupidest idea <laughs> in the world. Just buying like a llama emoji domain name. Just think to yourself, I think you're doing man. Why are you doing this? I think for me, it was something that I really did want to build. I thought at, at the end of the day, this is going to be a totally unique product that I could at least own. And even if that fails, I'd have this like kick-ass collection of emoji domain names that potentially might have some value to them. Honestly, it's all part of the fun. And I think that is a lot of the reason why I build these things. There's so much advice out there about validating your products, doing product market fit and building these like traditional sensible products and I really get a kick out of building these projects that potentially throw all that out the window 
and still make a little bit of money and it's still like really fun to to create so definitely fun is the guiding light of tiny projects ben it's been a cracking conversation you'll know at the end of every episode i ask for free recommendations a book a podcast and an indie hacker or entrepreneur to follow i guess my favorite book in the sort of like indie hacker space would be shoe dog by phil knight mm. my favorite podcast at the moment is probably product journey podcast by mm-hmm. ben and noah just two really chill dudes just like chatting about building their SaaS businesses every week my favorite indie hacker is alex west who mm. has this amazing daily blog where he just talks about building his project cyber leads ben you've been a fantastic guest we really appreciate you coming on i'll leave links to everything we discuss in this episode in the show notes thank you james thank you very much for having me